0: Off top, you ever heard of Archie Karras? Well, he's a guy who took $50, went to Vegas, turned that $50 into $40 million. He lost that money and then came up again pool sharking to $9 million. Look it up, but first, play the music. This is the
1: Dominique Foxworth Show.
0: All right, Charlie. I know you never heard of that guy.
1: Never. Never. Yeah, that sounds like uh, old Vegas, like apocryphal history, but I'm sure it's true.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, it happened in uh, the 90s, like early 90s. So it's not like it's some old 50s tale that just got blown up. Like it seems to be pretty true. And there's like um, poker pros who corroborate the story. And it was a bunch of different games, but mostly poker on the first come up and then mostly pool on the second come up. He got like a $10,000 loan. Anyway, it's an interesting story. I mean, maybe somebody will make a movie one day. Maybe you should, Charlie. You look like a director. I don't know. You you look like you should be in film school. I think it's the glasses with the backwards hat. But obviously, I picked uh, gambling for uh, my off top this week because, I don't know, I've been thinking a lot about the suspensions for... Uh, The Lions players, Jameson Williams, the most famous of the group, a former first round pick who missed a lot of last year with injury. And I I, honestly, I thought he was the best receiver in the draft, but he tore up his knee in that um, championship game. Uh, And he's going to miss six games, which is going to cost him about $300,000 for doing something that seems completely benign. He bet on some college football games. From inside the facility, had he done it anywhere else in the world, but on NFL property, he wouldn't would not have got suspended. and the idea that he got a six game suspension to, to to that seems outrageous, but I assume that he knew the rules. And uh, I mean, I didn't know that rule, but I have to assume that that they've told the players rules like that. So uh, my guess is there's a star for him on the appeal, but none of that really matters as much as what matters is how like hypocritical the NFL's um, gambling positions are. And what I, what I've come to think, like I've thought about this a lot this weekend and I think the NFL, like they're being aggressive on these punishments. Obviously we had the Ridley punishment. Um, There were four other Lions players who got punished. Uh, None of them as famous as him. We had the Ridley for a whole season because he bet on his team, even though he was not um, uh, impacting games. He was away from the team. But when I was in the league, gambling was like something that they like frowned upon. They would never get close to gambling. They did not encourage betting. They had to know in the back of their head that part of their ratings and part of their popularity is because of gambling, but they didn't want to get anywhere near it so much. So I remember um proposing that we do uh, we were we were talking about moving the the um, Pro Bowl out of Hawaii and I proposed that we do it in Vegas and the owners slapped that down as quick as they possibly could so now that we have it in Vegas the draft in Vegas in Pro Bowls in Vegas I'm like damn my how the tails have turned but the thing that I think is interesting about them and this aggressive punishment is They, The reason why they want to stay away from gambling in the past, I think, is because they want to protect, and if you're not watching on YouTube, you should, but I'm doing air quotes, the integrity of the game. They want to protect the integrity of the game because they recognize that that is what separates us from a regular TV show. That's why sports are as popular as they are, because it's one of the few things that you have to watch live. It's not a regular scripted television show. It's like real drama that you have to watch live. And they want to protect that and, and not feel like it's being influenced anyway. And also protect the gamblers because they know that that's a big portion of their audience watching because they bet on games. But the interesting thing that I think that they had at some point is the cost benefit analysis. When we used to have those meetings when I was at the PA with the league about the future of the league, they would always talk about how they wanted, how their goal was to get to $25 billion in revenue. How are we going to get there? And they would point out different things, how they're going to increase revenue from here, increase revenue from there and open up new avenues here, open up new avenues there. And one of the big, uh, I guess, spigots of revenue that they never opened was gambling and they opened it up. And what I have to imagine happened was the cost benefit analysis in their offices amongst the owners and amongst uh, league executives was if we open ourselves up to being affiliated with gambling after the 2018 decision to Supreme Court decision to kind of, frankly, allow most states to have gambling if they want it. If we open ourselves up to that, at some point, we are going to have a gambling scandal. Not we open ourselves up to a gambling scandal, not we might have a gambling scandal. I think if they are smart, that's the cost benefit analysis that they did is that at some point we are going to have a legitimate gambling scandal that involves players or coaches or someone uh, gambling on games that they are in and the outcomes that they can affect, whether they are betting on their team or against their team it's going to happen Uh, is there enough money out there for it to be worth it for us to take that risk that's the question that that's the question that they had to ask themselves the conversation that they had to have is we know this is going to happen we don't know when it's going to happen is it worth exposing ourselves to that and what can we do from now until it happens to discourage it from happening or to position ourselves in such a way that it does not look like it's something that we accept and it's not going to be something that sticks to us. And we've seen the NFL masterfully find a way to somehow keep the concussions issue from being a problem and that they were hiding information. They were actively doing like cigarette company level practices where they knew that the game was destroying people's brains and they were purposely misleading and hiding that information that doesn't stick to them in part because i mean y'all like watching football but don't nobody actually care about the players and like i i was i was surprised that it hasn't had more of an impact but when you step back and think about it of course it's not gonna have an impact because it's a small segment of society that actually that actually hurts the rest of us just love watching football but this it could really impact a huge portion of their population so they must believe that there is so much money out there to be made, or they believe that they can position themselves in a way that no matter if it happens or when it happens, it's not going to stick to them because it has to happen. They're cycling through thousands of players over the course of 10 years or so somebody going to do something dumb and they're going to catch them and how they respond to it and how they
1: prepared for it is something that they should have already like planned for and should be acting on. This leads me to a bunch of questions for you. And I want to start at the beginning. So the first part I would ask is, let's assume you are 24-year-old Dominique Foxworth. You are a cornerback in the NFL. The NFL partners with gambling companies. It is legal in a lot of states. How do the teams or the league explain it to you? Because we know there's sort of morality rookie camp where Chris Carter goes in and you know scares people. Rookie prey. symposium. Yeah. Uh, is there a morality camp where all of these rules are specifically explained to players so they know what they can do and what they cannot do there has to be like i assume that they've cre-
0: they've added an uh extra um breakout session to the rookie symposium there are player development um staff on every team that have weekly i don't know how often it was but regular meetings i know when i was in the league they had weekly meetings with the rookies it wasn't when i was a rookie they didn't start until afterwards but they would have weekly meetings with the rookies through the off season and into the season where they would talk about anything from financial management to like being careful at the club and drinking and driving like all the stuff that like frankly players aside that young adults struggle with yeah getting some freedom and continue or and consistently making uh, smart and safe decisions. So I have to assume that they've had these conversations. Assuming that having a one-off conference—that's the thing about the the symposium. Always felt like to me it was a cover your own ass NFL move, not a move that was actually designed. And no disrespect to the people who put together the symposium or who administered the symposium. My assumption is that they are doing the best that they can. But the league's purpose of having the symposium is like we told y'all because <laughs> they can't actually believe that you are going to like fully, and it's a lot to ask. You can't, you can't like undo for some players a lifetime of education and, and three days. So right. it's, it's a lot to ask, but I do think that since gambling is new, they had to put more of a focus on that. And I should have called, like, I know a couple of players, um, player development guys, I should have called them before this, which now I'll call them afterwards. And, there's anything worth talking about uh record something and we can put it in but i have to assume that they they mention that to him especially something like what happened with jameson williams is right you can't gamble in a facility i for the life of me i can't understand why exactly that matters but i'm the only thing i could come up with is they don't want you like associated with the organization like they don't want you tweeting out like i just made this bet or like Instagram and a photo from you in the hot tub at the Lions facility betting on stuff because they don't want that look. Or maybe it's also about protecting their sponsors. If you're betting on a different site or, or uh, yeah, you're betting with someone that that hasn't paid them enough money. They don't want to give them free promotion. Like all that stuff plays into it. I'm not exactly sure why it matters where Jameson Williams did it, but it's a $300,000 mistake that yeah.
1: I have to assume somebody told him along the way. Don't do it here. My next question, because that was, I think, is an important piece to get out there, is about how I want to go back to Dominic Foxworth's maxim: is that there are no absolutes, right. and absolutes are for idiots. That is sort of how I feel about these mini gambling scandals in the NFL. So let's let's go over the range of them really quickly. Because first, there was Josh Shaw. I think we can all say morally bad to go to Vegas and bet against your team when he was on the Cardinals. And that effectively ended his NFL career. We had Calvin Ridley, who is taking a break for mental health reasons and bet $200 to support his boys. This is his exact word, support my guys. Um, and then we have this one, with Jameson Williams, where it was not even betting on the NFL. And with this, those shades of gray, I think it's really easy to sort of feel bad for players who are seemingly betting on things that are completely irrelevant, you know, Jameson Williams and Calvin Ridley. But if they know the rules and know what's not okay, is it okay to just be like, sort of like, I don't really care that much. I want the NFL to enforce these rules because that's sort of where I fall on it.
0: Yeah. I, um, I assume most people do fall that there. Um, is it okay? Yes, it's okay. Like, I don't think like you're a bad person, but I, do think that what's happening is hypocritical and um, somewhat unjust. Like, this is what it comes down to oftentimes for me. And, And I take this position on a lot of things when we talk about union issues. And when we were talking about Draymond last week, when I was saying like, yeah, what you guys are doing is unprecedented. Do I agree that Draymond needs to be suspended? Probably. However, you need like solid justification. You can't say like this unprecedented thing where it's like oh but your body of work they've never done that they've never released a a suspension document in the NBA before to say that we are partially basing this on your previous actions or your reputation for unsports I don't remember the exact word but generally because what my point is in that situation is you're never protecting the one player. You're protecting the rights because what will inevitably happen is you're giving them this power that at some point they'll wield in a way that you don't appreciate. So this is the same way I feel about this is we don't often think about players as labor yeah, because labor is like the guy who's slaving away in an Amazon warehouse, which yeah, being a pro football player, much better than working in an Amazon warehouse. However, there are a million plus people working in Amazon warehouse. The difference between the people in Amazon warehouse and the NFL player is the NFL player is a collection of all of them. What is that? Like 500 Amazon workers is one NFL player, if that makes any sense. Like the amount of money that's going to them and the, the amount of resource they have access to. But the level of power is not any different. You know, so like this is what it comes down to. In the Amazon scenario, if one Amazon employee or a collection of Amazon employees are doing something that is against the rules, but we all believe to be benign, it's much easier for Amazon to get them up out of there because they have no value. They have no power. They have no leverage. This is the same thing in football. Nobody in that league has enough power or value or leverage to force the NFL to not be hypocrites. So the NFL rather than try to make rules that would treat the players fairly because I think we all would agree that $300,000 in a 6 game suspension is absurd for a guy who uh bet on a college football game in the facility. Yes it's a, it's it's breaking the in a rules, vacuum. but in a vacuum. Yeah. Right. Yes it's breaking the rules, but it's absurd. To me that feels like you're you're jaywalking. Like walking at the wrong time, betting at the wrong time. But the precedent has been set. The power right. is there. The leverage is there. And back to the original point, or my original thought is like, this is about the NFL trying to make all the decisions that they can in order to make themselves Teflon against the inevitable, real gambling scandal, and also discourage any players along the way from getting involved in it. And it does not matter who. It's like, we're going to make example out of people, you know, it doesn't matter who pays the price up until then. But they're going to try to scare the life out of everybody, whereas it just feels like to me you've you've um, taken taken the cash to be in this world. Now you're in this world and rather than deal with the potential risk and cost, you're going to just swing uh, hard punishments at anybody who steps anywhere
1: close to the line that you say they shouldn't cross. The next point on, on this, though, because I think a lot of the narrative has been that this has been it is unfair for the players and that the league is in bed with these gambling companies. Isn't that not the case, though? Because league brings in revenue, revenue gets split, split with the players. The cost-benefit analysis overall, aren't the vast majority of players happy that this is going to raise the salary cap? They are going to get paid more. And while these rules are stupid, it is overall good for them because they're playing a game where they you know, risk immense bodily harm. Yes. But they get more money because X, Y, and Z gambling company is now paying for that.
0: Exactly. I mean, overall, for the, the difference is for the owners, it's 32 of them. And they pass the team on to their family members or they sell it for billions of dollars. So, yes, for all the players. But the problem is I don't get to give my position to my son, you know. And then the problem is there are players, individual players. Who are going to be paying this price so like you're right they broke the rules it's hard for me to argue against that Uh, my assumption is that the rules were set pretty clear with the punishments being pretty clear also that's all fine and good just because and i find this to be generally just kind of unsatisfying way uh to argue with people because it happens a lot in outside of sports too where it's like but you knew the rules right like just because you knew the rules it's like and this is a, an extreme example, but it's like Rosa Parks sitting in the front of the bus. Like, you knew the rules? Yeah, we knew the rules, but the rules were fucked up. So, like, obviously this is not nearly the same, but just to illustrate my point, just because they know what the rules were and they broke the rules, whether it was civil disobedience or just stupidity, which in this case is stupidity, does not change the fact that when unjust rules or unfair rules are exposed, it's okay to say that they are unjust and unfair and i don't suspect that jameson williams is going to appeal this down to a zero game suspension but i uh, you also can't expect me to sit here and be like hey fine you broke the rules you knew the rules
1: it's okay you really you really put me in a corner there because how, how yeah. am i supposed to disagree with you now 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 disagreeing <laughs> with you be anti rosa parks real <laughs> tough spot for me on that <laughs> one
0: my bad my bad i mean i could uh never mind go ahead <laughs> I was going to go a whole nother way to make you more comfortable, but it was just going to get real bad.
1: No, no. The next thing, the bigger thing is I actually was looking at, at uh, the larger thing. Cause it, it's, it's sort of crazy that there haven't be, been bigger gambling scandals in the NFL in the past. Cause you look at the black Sox, you look at Pete Rose, you look at Henry Hill fixing college basketball games, Tim Donahue, uh, Connie Hawkins getting unjustly banned from the NBA. Theoretically. Um these are like or inter Milan getting kicked out of Syria for, for gambling. Um major stars, major scandals that affected the competitive balance of games. And if that's what's looming for the NFL, does that even really matter? I mean, all of those sports seem to be, I guess it we're looking at this from the hundred year view. Largely unaffected. Largely right. unaffected by this. I guess you could say the NBA. People still NBA rigged. NBA is more about the drama that is on the court. NBA is not competitive, but it seems to be more popular than ever in totality um, in its impact on the internet. So is that what's going through agents' heads, the league's heads, NFL owners' heads that, okay, we're going to deal this. We deal with this. We'll weather the storm. This is the reality we live in, and it largely doesn't matter
0: well first of all uh, i guess it's because you wore your glasses today i appreciate the research that you brought to the program um uh, because some of those i had completely forgotten about but yeah i mean i think that's what it boils down to honestly it's like the the evaluation is that the money that they're going to make is worth it and that it won't stick to them and that's why they're doing what they're doing and i think that they're probably largely right i do think that the what i find interesting is what happens when it does happen is how do they handle it given their their history of covering things up in the past would they try to cover it up like let's say uh, the most extreme example is like a super bowl game is like being fixed by a player and there's like i guess maybe they're smart enough to know that covering it up would be worse maybe but I wonder what it would have, what would have to happen? Because if it's a regular season game, it's not going to stick to the league. It's not going to hurt the league. What would have to happen for it to actually hurt the league? And I don't, I don't know that there's, there is a case. If it happened in the Super Bowl, we'd be back the next year. Nobody's going to stop watching. Nobody's going to stop betting. They're just going to try to
1: bet on the right side. This is a really dumb question, but can it, can anyone but a quarterback fix an NFL game? Like it feels like there's so many moving pieces.
0: Well, I mean, you can you could tilt the the dynamics, yeah, you drastically can point shave
1: a bit, yeah,
0: yeah. You can't like a quarterback absolutely can fix it, but I mean, a lot of
1: the longest yards.
0: yeah, uh, it's yeah. I mean, missing a tackle, uh, giving up a big play on defense, giving up a sack on offense, and fumbling on offense, missing a block. Like there are lots of ways that I think you could i guess it's really hard though because in in basketball you have so many touches that you can balance it out like in football you might only get targeted a couple times and if every single time you're targeted (laughs) you give up a touchdown maybe people would
1: catch y'all okay so assuming that games can be fixed and this is like a, a a large issue for the league going forward um where do you think this goes? Do you think there's clarity? Do you think there's obviously we we could see, we're going to see more more suspensions coming. But do you think there's a world where the NFL softens their stance on this stuff?
0: No. No, never. I don't see them softening their stance on this sort of stuff at all. Um why? What's the motivation to do it? There's to make us happy or not even I don't think people actually care about this. They point out that it's unfair. They're not. So like the I guess the only point of softening it is maybe if there's too many suspensions. Like if they feel like they can't control it, it's like the, the marijuana argument, I guess, is like it's become accepted mainstream and guys can use it without becoming like criminal, criminally uh mischievous or whatever the the assumption is from the reefer madness documentary back in the day. Um and it ends up having a, a a stain on the league if they have to announce every day that we got a drug suspension or uh, 10 people from this team are in the drug program. So I guess that's the way I would look at gambling is the same way that we look at marijuana is they'd rather not have it in a league at all. But the only way that it becomes a problem, the only way they soften the rules is be if it becomes a problem for them, if they get to a point where they can't control these minor things like, betting on college games from inside the facility then they'll soften the rules because suspending 10 guys a season for this then it makes the league look like a
1: gambling league where you can't trust the outcome of the games and that's i mean first of all a little piece of advice to uh all of you nfl players who want to gamble on college football or college basketball or the nba use a proxy
2: uh, skip this.
1: Don't don't use don't use your own account. Don't be like, yeah. you know, Calvin Ridley at DraftKings.com or whatever it was. Um but, but in all actuality, the concept that that you laid out of the games feeling less legitimate. I'm sort of torn on that. I, I think it feels less legitimate for the betters right now. And that's a that's the big fear for the NFL. Like, oh shit, we could lose this gambling money if people don't want to bet on these games because they don't feel it's legitimate. But for me as a fan who does not bet on these games and genuinely does not care about the betting lines, I would be very bummed out if the NFL got to an unsavory point where it felt sort of like professional wrestling, where there where there's where there stuff that is was outcome determinative. And, and that's the part where I find myself uh, sort of agreeing with the league where it's like zero to- tolerance policy now may be better for us long term.
0: I don't know. I mean, maybe, I, I mean, I, I get your point. And the, the way that it, you just always have to remember that, that they're, they're a business that's motivated by, by profit. And that the, one of the most valuable things NFL has is its brand. It's the way that we think about it, the image of it. So when they're saying, um, the integrity of the game, yeah, they're saying the brand. And that when they are, um, They have these uniform policies. They don't want anybody breaking the uniform policy. It's because they want the brand, the brand to be whatever. When uh, they're punishing guys extra hard for off the field stuff, it's not because they care about the guy's behavior off the field. It's because they don't want to be viewed as the, the league of thugs or criminals or domestic abusers. And they've, come up short in those punishments in the past and they don't want to be the league. They'd rather be the league that is over punishing than a league that is soft on um, criminal behavior. So I think that's what it comes down to is they're going to make the decision that protects their brand. And I think the only risk that they, the riskier side is being seeming okay or light on the gambling because that, that in, impacts your brain and then you could go the other way like i mentioned, you could go the complete other way where you're suspending too many people so then yeah. every week there's a nfl gambling story and then that seeps in to your mind and that doesn't just and that's the thing that i wanted to address what you said is it's not just about how it impacts the gamblers a large portion of people that are watching the game or a portion significant portion of people watching the game are watching games because they bet on them. so like that's yeah. going to impact the the ratings People talking about it because they bet on it. it's going to impact the possibility, the popularity, the number of people who are engaged in it impacts the sponsors that want to be associated with you. All that stuff, they recognize that there's a chain reaction. So it's not just about making the professional gamblers or the weekend gamblers happy.
1: It's about the the overall image of the sport and its impact on the game. The last question I have is I'm taking you back to to locker room, Dominique Foxworth. Okay. How mad would you be if a teammate was actually betting on games that you were playing in? Oh, so hot. If I was mad, Oh, a team, I was, I was thinking about if I lost
0: a teammate because he was, he didn't follow the simple rules. Well, let's You're do it just say if a let's team do it
1: both ways, if he follows the simple rules, but I'm talking about, and then push it forward to a big story, they're betting against your, your own team.
0: I mean, we're betting against our own team. Hell yeah. Cause
1: that's what matters. Betting. for yeah, your yeah, team yeah. Oh, yeah. Like,
0: betting. Yeah. I was about to say we're, we're all gambling every yeah. Every weekend. So yeah, it doesn't bother me if you bet uh on our team, it's fine. If um you're betting against our team and he's playing on the team. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. That's
1: what that's what's gonna happen in, yeah. in these theoretical situations.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm furious. Yeah, like it's it's no yeah, it's hard to it's hard to because it's you're throwing the game. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, this is our livelihood. And depending on where you are in your career, like, it's how much success you have is directly tied to how much money you're going to make, how, and it's not the money aside. It's about, like, dreams and opportunities. Like, you know me, I get hot at a, at a team for for tanking. Like, that to me is the same. It's disgusting. It's worse if the organization does it because it's an overall thing. But if one player on my team is, like, sabotaging us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be sick. Like, I, I don't know. It's hard to argue. It's hard to estimate how angry I would be because you and I have talked about this before, like how close I came to like feeling like I made all the wrong decisions because yeah. if I didn't get that second deal, I would have regretted playing in the professional, playing, playing in the NFL. Like financially, I would have made the wrong decisions. And the idea that standing between the, the life I have now and some other less comfortable life is somebody trying to make the money that I'm out here trying to earn. You're trying to take a a shortcut to get the money that I'm trying to earn. Yeah. That's
1: yeah. I'd be really upset. Now thinking about that in that perspective, does that soften your stance on these stupid punishments if they're trying to nip all that stuff in the butt?
0: Nope. Nice try. Nice try. Nope. I just
1: wanted to think about it in all the different ways because I have a completely different view of someone who has ever actually had stakes in this.
0: You are all the way in your co-host bag today. You've done an outstanding job of forcing me to address all of the different um, ways to look at this. And the last one is the is the best one. And I didn't even defend it. I just said nope because I would like to not be a hypocrite like I'm accus- accusing the league of being. But, yeah, I, I get your point. I, if Shades so, if. If you give me the option, would I rather uh them be softer on uh on suspending these players or in and have someone eventually like throw a game that I'm in? Yeah, throw the book at everybody. Yeah. I would argue for the death penalty if you're gonna bet on some games. If I thought it would stand between me and um and the success or, or me and having an honest uh, opportunity to compete for what I feel like I deserve. So you win long way to go. You finally got me to be on the league side about something. It's me and you against Rosa Parks. Nice job, Charlie. Nice job.
1: Sorry. You're just supporting all those players who want a second contract. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Whatever. All right, man. I appreciate it. Roses and thorns.
2: This show is sponsored by better help. We all carry around. give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com D-F today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, dot slash
0: D-F. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
2: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call
0: 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. He's so good! How has Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. Roses and Thorns time. What's up, Ashley?
3: You say that so enthusiastically, and because, like, literally he starts, he's like, three, two, one, and then he says it, um, it just always makes me smile and laugh.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm enthusiastic. I didn't know what you were uh what you were about to say, but I'm enthusiastic. The countdown doesn't have to be enthusiastic, and no one hears the countdown, but I know, and, and I don't here.
3: think even though you're in media, you're not like an actor, you know, like like so you yeah. go like three 2, one and then you're like, yes, let's do yeah, it. I
0: mean, you have to give the people what they want. I don't want somebody who come on here who's yours, here's my R. wife again. Yeah. God,
3: why is she why is she back?
0: No, she's back because she's wonderful and you are Your tan is even darker than it was last week, which you went back to Miami with my girls and left me If anyone has a
3: condo they want to sublet us in Miami (laughs) for the summer, (laughs) then tweet it to him. Send it to his DMs because he's working on using Instagram more. So maybe he's oh, going to check his DM occasionally.
0: I'm working on it. I have been putting out some Instagram posts every now and then. It's just not for me. Well, Instagram... it's not posted
3: stories that you've been doing. Uh,
0: okay. Yeah. It's not for me. There are some things that are for like, actually, I don't, I haven't tweeted much either. I just, I'm not, I'm in a, like the last year I've been in a social media lull. It just, it don't feel like it's for me. It's not, it's not where I thrive. It's not where I'm my best self. It's just a bad, bad place.
3: Where are you your best self?
0: I was going to make a joke, but I'm not going to make
3: a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for not making a joke. Because I know uh, what the joke was going to be. Anyone who knows joke, you knows funny. what the joke was going to
0: be. There are certain though. things
3: he says all the time.
0: Um, I don't know where I'm. I'm my best self. I think lately, honestly, uh, which is coincidental because I sent you an article about, or actually not really an article, a list of bad parent behaviors that I thought was funny, but I think lately both of us i think are, are our best selves when parenting and i don't even know if it's the best self but like
3: for me it's parenting with a cocktail
0: yes I, yeah that's what you believe i disagree with that wholeheartedly but the the point is i don't know i feel like there are times when you feel like you killed it at your job or like you're really i think lots of people can relate to this or you you feel like maybe you're a really good spouse or partner or 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 friend and I don't feel like often I hear people talk about how they just parented their ass off. And I, I feel like the last month or so, I've been in my parenting bag. I got all the moves. You haven't. I can't be stopped right now. I would think that I might put up more points than I've been putting up and get more wins than, I, than I've than i been getting. However, playing my ass off out here right now. And I came off a so You a can't be weekend.
3: stopped. You're playing your ass off, but you can be stopped. Well, I,
0: I think uh, I, <laughs> it's unfortunate that we're not winning, but I got some some big-time playoff performances that people are going to talk about, like uh, when Jordan went for 63 on the Celtics and still ended up losing. I don't remember it either. I just remember it from watching Come Fly With I Me. I
3: wouldn't say we're not winning in the ways. Like, I feel like we have we have had some wins. We're, we're you know, making progress, which is nice um but yeah no so he sent me this thing that was like and it sounded like so many of them were written by people who have never had a child but it was like was it i'm bad at like all the was it from reddit it was like a bunch of like
0: yeah somebody had like cherry picked a bunch of uh uh reddit posts about um behaviors that bad parents exhibit and i read through them and recognized a couple of them that i used to
3: i was so proud that i didn't recognize more of them though
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a comprehensive list.
3: Like, honestly, when you sent it to me, I thought it was some passive-aggressive thing. I was like, he's found me on, let's say there were yeah. 30 posts. I was like, he thinks he's found me on at least 20 of them. You know what? <laughs> Let me be prepared to show him all the reasons he's wrong. And I was like, oh, okay, I identify with like two. The rest, I'm kind of with you, even though I think I give so much grace with parenting. Like, so really, like, there's not much that someone could do that I could witness where I'd be like, you're a bad parent. Like, I'd be like, what happened before this? Like, what's <laughs> going on in your life? Like, like yeah. you grabbed up your child in a way I might not. Like today I was driving and a woman, it was in like a white neighborhood, um, like on the way back from dropping Avery off. And a woman was putting in by herself and there was nowhere like nearby. So let's say maybe she lived in an apartment or something, or maybe she was coming from dropping another kid at school no matter what, she was parked at least like two blocks away. Like, cause there was nothing right there, you know? Like, so either she just got in her car or she was just, she was just getting in her car in the morning or she was just getting back from, um, dropping an older kid or something at school and was coming back with a toddler who she was trying to put in. This was my one, this was my the one place where I could see fault this. She was trying to put her toddler in. It's because she was parked on one way street. So her driver's side door was in the street and her toddler was behind her. So she lifted a baby, a car seat in, and then was trying to get her toddler to walk into a street and it was kind of a busy street, but she was holding the car seat and she, you know, like so she was struggling. And she said, if you don't get your mother fucking and yelled in she's a black woman I'm sitting here. If you don't get your mother over here, I'm trying, i trying to bleep. I'm editing yes. while I talk before <laughs> nice, I yeah. beat you a little behind. And it was loud because my windows were up and I heard this whole comment. And I was thinking, like, thank God, I think I'm the only one who heard this comment. Cause like otherwise, and yes, she or, shouldn't say or no. or unfortunate
0: that no one else heard this comment because you wasn't gonna jump in and and, and save I wasn't, this poor but baby. like
3: she didn't put the hand, like she made sure he got there safely. Like, yes, she was verbally no, and Like she made sure the little boy got there. Safe Cause I was thinking, I'ma just wait and not pull off because I don't want someone to pull behind me and this boy's walking the street. But then no, she went and got him and she was gentle and she was whatever. Her language was abrasive, but I didn't say like she she is an awful mother. I said, well, God, no one else heard her. And to like <laughs> what just happened, she at least has walked two blocks carrying that little thing with this little boy. This little boy who looks so well taken care of, you know, like and she's buckling him in and putting him in a car seat. I give all the grace. and it's the Yeah, place.
0: I think being a parent is probably a, a reflection of just about everything else in, in the world is it's different once you do it. Like every, everything yeah. and, and since this is a sports show so often i hear people talking about oh yeah you should just make the layup it's real hard to make a layup like don't pass it a fear. it happens sometimes they're, they're asking you to do difficult things i watched the boxing match this weekend with my brother and he was telling me a similar story um about uh, being at a soccer game with his daughter and it's like uh it was a, a white lady just snapped on her kid and like it's it's so weird that we have like been socialized so quickly i don't know any other things that have the the like general public's opinion on it has changed as rapidly or like the way the way that we feel about it too has changed really rapidly because i remember when i was a kid i got hit other people got hit kids got yes. threatened and it was yes, no big it was deal it was like this this is parenting and now like i if i hear somebody like talk about hitting their kids or like threatening their kids or actually see somebody hitting their kids which I haven't really seen it's like my brother who's not like gonna go jump in and interfere nothing he was like he told me like I felt like I should step in and then eventually the lady stopped and I was asking did any of the other parents do anything he was like no they, they they probably called they probably had somebody waiting for her at her house when she got home. They didn't step in at the moment, but but
3: so I still have like friends like of mine, people who I respect and and from this area. So I don't know if it's like a geographic thing because some are maybe more from the south, but even friends like in this area and and some people say we're the south, we're in D.C. So but like people yeah. in like Maryland, Baltimore area who will talk about and like publicly on their – or maybe they have a private Instagram page, but you know on social media like like um, plucking their kids. So it's like not hitting, yeah. but it's like it's like stuff that I, like adjacent you know and maybe less painful and so I don't think that so I do think that there are people who still maybe don't hit and certainly know better than to be very open about it but I think that some people are still more yeah. um, comfortable with certain I don't want to say corporal punishment because that sounds so bad but certain slightly physical things or like pulling them like grabbing an ear even like
0: a former teammate of mine so when I went to um uh, the Quell's for that cookout I was with a bunch of like college teammates one of my teammates was like yeah I, I pop my kids and I Yeah, know. popping, yeah. Like, yes. what, what is the, what, huh? okay, hey, do you? Yeah, whatever. different strokes
3: for different folks. Um, But I do remember, so my brother's a lot younger than me and he was a three girls and a boy. And he was kind of rough. Once me and Kai met up with my parents. So we went to Maryland and my parents live in DC and like, you know, go out in the Maryland suburbs. So Kai and I, for some reason, were like not that far away from where Alan, my dad and my mom and my little brother were eating. It was like a Friday's or something on Rockville Pie. And so me and Kai were like, oh, we'll meet you at Friday." <laughs> And somehow we get in in the middle of like my dad like fighting and let's say you know my dad right? um him and Peyton, let's say I was probably like 21. so Peyton was like maybe eight or nine, I guess nine um and so like kid, but like, Peyton at nine was, was a handful. Oh, if man. all I and Kai were just like, you can't, we we can't let him get arrested. <laughs> like, <laughs> you gotta stop. You're in a white suburb. Please go home, Alan. And he didn't get arrested. Everything was okay. Um, but I'll say there was one um one bad parenting thing that I almost and not let she sent that I almost identified with, but then mm-hmm. not quite, but quite, but then I was like, actually, so I don't know if you remember, but I can't remember what it was. I know
0: exactly what you gonna say.
3: So he wanted some ice cream the other day and I was like, oh, okay. I can't remember, I had made a good dinner and he liked like the protein of it, but I was lazy in the vegetable. I can't remember what I made, but he really liked like the, the meat part of it. Um, it was fried chicken sandwich, I think. So I by I the way, in and, yeah, you know. yeah,
0: it was delicious. But just a, a parenting note mm-hmm. for us both to remember: I made him some spinach the other day, cooked it, and he was like, "Just give me raw spinach, ate like a fistful of raw spinach." I didn't yeah. do anything to it. So like from now on, just a fistful. Of they raw don't want spinach. dressing.
3: My kids hate dressing. Um, so this was the problem. Our babysitter had mixed the Caesar salad bag for us because I'm like, I made these fried chicken sandwiches. Like, screw it, we're just gonna have salad. So I had a, I bought a bag of Caesar salad. Our babysitter mixed it, but when I mix, if I buy salad bags when i mix them i don't put much dressing on or if any because i know the kids don't like it um and but she put all the dressing in so it was like very wet like way too much dressing comes with those it was really wet so he didn't like it but i didn't realize he hadn't eaten any so at first i was getting like the he loves jenny's blue butter cake so i was getting the blue butter cake ice cream out and i was like oh yeah go ahead eat you know some of your salad first and he was like but hold up you already said i can have the ice cream so this is where it starts right so then like he just got a little disrespectful in his tone and I was like like you know like and he'll say to me and he's not wrong he's like so the way you're talking to me the tone you have is the same tone that I had at you and you're saying it's bad and I'm like so I you know I'm just quiet like we're not arguing he just like said that and then i was like I was like you know what Declan I was like did you get me up this morning did you feed me this morning? Give me breakfast. Did you make sure I got to school on time? Do you make sure that my tuition is paid? Do you, you know, like pick me up and take me to my activities? Do you care for me? Do you put me to bed? Make sure I have a safe, warm, clean home to sleep in. Do you, and I was like, I hate to say this, but did you bring me into this world? And he says, so this was on that list. It said, bad parents say things like, I put a roof over your head and I gave you life. So that's what I identify with. But here's how it was an awful bad parent move slash it was turned back on me. This little evil genius says to me, and like, it really left me stumped. He was like, yeah, mom, you do all those things for me. You must love me a lot. You love me more than anything in the world, huh? Me and my sisters. And I was like, yes, definitely. So all I want is for you. To talk- and if you love someone, you respect them. You love me more, more than I could ever love you. You're my mom. You do all the things you brought me into the world and you can still talk to me like that. If you love someone that much, how can you talk to them disrespectfully? And you think that like, no offense, but you do love me more than I love you. It's impossible for me to love you that much. You know, I love you a lot. And you can talk to me like that. The person you love most in the world or the uh, one of the people you love most in the world. So how can I learn to be respectful? If you can talk to me so disrespectfully the person you love more than anything <laughs> like like I was just like yeah <laughs> was like, and so I just turned around. But luckily, I had been doing just kind of like not engaging a lot, um, which is, I think, a parenting pro tip. Um, and so I only engaged just to say that, like, because I was like when he was acting all talking disrespectfully, I was just kind of letting go. But then I re to say that. And I was like, keep your mouth shut. This is why parents <laughs> shouldn't say things like that, because your kids can come back and say things like yeah. that to you. And then you have to go back to disengaging, largely only because I had nothing to say. Yeah. Like, like he was like, you're right, mom, you're right. And so how can I learn to tr- sound more respectful to you when me, the person you love more than anything? And I was like, well, you and your sisters. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he, so I, that was the one that especially recently, I was like, damn, I just tried that a line similar to that last week. And it was a fail.
0: Yeah, he's definitely taught me something that I, I think I've known and, and read, but never really adhered to. It's like when you're in a like debate or argument with somebody you've already lost, like you're not going to (laughs) change anybody's opinion, you know, like not that way. Like the way that you change people's opinion is not with like direct confrontation, trying to get them to admit that they're wrong. And I've fallen into that trap way too many times where it's just like, you just feel like you have to say like, something has to be said. He needs to hear this and he hears it, but then he, he only hears it for the purpose of like trying to twist it on you. And
3: and he my, a lot of times I like see what he's doing. I mean, I saw what he was doing, but I'm like, okay, like that's a weak, you know, lineup. But that one I was like, well, Yeah, Got true. <laughs> Got
0: me. Maybe I should. I'm not like, you
3: taught there. him that love and respect are the same, you know, or that they go hand in hand. I didn't need him to learn that yet.
0: That one jumped out on a list too, and like defend your kids at all at all costs is like another one that I feel like is applies to to this household but i don't actually think that's a bad thing i think it it's hard to be honest or at least be honest with your kids because usually in public or out in the world it's like yeah i got your back it don't matter what you did i got your back but once we get home in private we're gonna have a conversation about the things that you did or the things that you didn't do or the things that were done wrong but like
3: yeah that wasn't actually one that jumped out at me and it's something that honestly like I had to get better at because I think like just part of like, you know this, I'm one of those women that you hear about who just sorry too much. Like it's easy for me yeah. to say sorry and apologize and move on. And I found myself doing that on behalf of my kids a lot. Like if another little kid comes up and says, your kid took my this, like I'm not about to argue with someone else's child. Um, and so I'll be like, oh, give it back or oh, say sorry. And it's like, well, I shouldn't encourage my kids to apologize all the time. Like when they may very well, like why am I trusting someone else's child over my child? You know what I mean? So like that's something that I think I actively had to, to do better. Um, and so and like if you're not going to defend your kid, like who is? You know, I'll, quick, I'll be quick to be like, like I was somewhere and some grown man tried to say something to one of my children, like who was there with his child, that climbing place, that fun climbing mm-hmm. place in Laurel and try to say something about like my kid had too many turns on something. Um, and I was standing right there. So like, and he really had not Like every kid was going up more than once. Like it wasn't very crowded that day. Then it turned out his kid was too small to do it anyway. They just wanted to like point and giggle at it. Like, and not actually do the once my child was done. And they used me like, don't like, you don't talk to someone else's child, um, you know, so I'll, I'll, but with other children. And like when there are issues with other children, sometimes, like I do just want to like say, oh, okay, sorry, sweetie, like, baby, give that back or your turns up. The
0: oldest one I feel like is encouraging, trying to encourage her to like, I think she's gotten better at this, but like generally be more uh, assertive is a hard thing to do. The younger two, we don't have a problem with either of them. They, they,
3: uh, actually, the time I was talking anymore. about. When I wanted to be like, excuse me, what? Because I was like, it was with Declan. I was like, Declan, what did that man say to you? Because um, I couldn't hear the whole thing, and he was like, Mom, and I saw Declan's face in the back, and I was like, I took care of it. Like, no, like you don't need to talk to this <laughs> adult, but exactly. you need to talk to my son. Now. Um, and he was like, he was like, no, it's fine. I I told da da Did
0: I tell you about the soccer practice? It was a like a I guess like a month ago they had a soccer uh, outdoor soccer game, and they went to the field, oh. and there were a a like a full field game of like pickup soccer, grown men uh, all speaking Spanish and like playing intense soccer. And and Declan got there. and was like standing like right on the sideline. And it's like, I'm standing back a ways. Declan and like one of his friends are standing there right on the sideline. And the guys like do like scoot hands, like try to shoo them back and say, back up. Don't get hurt. Don't get hurt. And Declan wasn't, Declan wasn't having that. Cause he was like, we rented this field. He don't know what we rented or what, whether we did it or didn't. We rented this field. Why? Why don't you? It's like telling them that they. I should I mean, get he's the right. Field.
3: It is preserved.
0: Yeah, he he was absolutely right. But like,
3: I, <laughs> no, I know. And I it's know.
0: like I saw the guy doing it, and I wasn't like I didn't like that. But like, I get the point. I was just saying like, back up, don't get hurt. So I was coming down the hill to be able to tell and like, yeah, stand back, don't get hurt. Let the adults handle this. We'll talk to them about whatever and get them off the field. You don't need to handle it. He's like, nah, I got this. We rented this field. I need you guys off. We have to do our 10-year-old soccer game. Thank you very much.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he stands up for himself. Um you sent me another article that was that actually I had seen that was funny. Um I don't know if we have time to talk about it, but it's not much to talk about. But in addition to thing, it was like sex positivity and like elderly oh, people, yeah. um, which was at first, when I thought, I, like, I don't want to see this. But then I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to be old before long. Like, good, start normalizing this. Like, why shouldn't, like, and I think, like, through images like that, it can be. Honestly, though, seeing like any sex scene creeps me out. Like, you know, this I'll be watching, and I watch like ABC, like, 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 great anatomy oh this is a lot like why like like i'm not someone who can watch porn and enjoy it like i'm just like why don't i see other people having sex like that's strange um or even like very pg versions of other people having sex um but but i think it's very i think that's great i
0: don't know if it's just when i turn 80 and i it's like um another reason why social media isn't for me instagram like i did a good job of curating my for you page to not have no thirst traps on it because like I don't need that in my life but every couple of months Instagram like you I know what you like and it throw some thirst traps up there and, and catch me for a second and I noticed recently when I've been on there like scrolling that just an idea of like these this story was about an artist who's um like taking like I guess intimate photographs of people over there in their seventies and older and trying to normalize like the sexuality of elderly people. And it struck me because I was thinking about when I'm scrolling and how I have this weird reaction now where it's like clearly very sexy pictures of attractive young women, where it's like, I can a- appreciate that the pictures look good. The women look good, but it's not the same because don't have gray hair yeah they're babies it is like i know they're 19 or 20 or 25 or whatever and i guess i there is no official cut off in my brain and i don't know when this switch hit where it's like when someone is has an overtly sexual post that my first thought is not like oh that's sexy my first thought is how does this girl (laughs) it's not it's not good and i'm not trying to act like i'm like holier than thou i certainly see some pictures where i'm like damn i mean (laughs) <laughs> but
3: well you know who's on my explore page that's what's called explore page not for you page Jalen Hurts because he was just an essence there's a whole lot of black women posting this essence stuff of him um, and it's about his love of black women so like that's why it's like black women are really feeling it um, the article um, and he's, so how old is he do I need to be grossed out that he's on my Oh nah
0: nah no! you don't have to be grossed out I'm he's happy for you he's uh, fully clothed you don't have his bad. butt cheeks
3: out like people on your page probably do
0: yeah, it's a lot of... And it's it's they <laughs> it's always, like, ad too. Like, uh, it's not even... No, they know what
3: you like. They need big butts <laughs> and gray hair, and they're going to steal you from me.
0: Nah, I ain't going nowhere. Ooh, my light
3: just got really bright out of nowhere. I don't know if you could see it.
0: I have nothing. I mean, you have nothing to worry about.
3: Try not to go anywhere. Um, But no, I actually, when I saw that, I was like, Dominique probably really likes this because of your gray hair fetish, the elderly. Oh, um, Yeah. No, it didn't do it for you. <laughs>
0: it, it didn't do it for me, but I just was not the same
3: as seeing the girls on your floor page.
0: It's it's just a beautiful sentiment, I guess. Is into your seventies or whatever, you know? Like that, I always hear that the um like old people homes be- have
3: a lot. There was a Grey's Anatomy episode about that just two episodes ago.
0: Yeah, they were having. That shit them, was, uh, it was
3: going around. They call um, they
0: call them VD in <laughs> the old people.
3: <laughs> I know. I was going to say syphilis, but I have no idea what it was in the episode. But chlamydia, maybe. I don't know. Something was going around. Speaking of Grey's Anatomy. You know, time that.
0: Oh, gosh. Speaking of Grey's Anatomy.
3: I'm worried, guys. I'm worried. Like, what are yeah, we going to do? Whenever I um, pop in
0: there to watch the Grey's Anatomy, what while well, I watch it with you, I, like, don't recognize
3: anyone. very yeah. many of the
0: people in the storylines.
3: I realized the other day, the people who were still there, um, Miranda and Richard. It's the original Black Cast May State. I'm not making a racial comment about that, but I'm good for y'all for sticking by Shonda. Uh, because no one else in the original show is there. They're the only two, and they were the only two, they were the two black ones originally, and and they've remained. Um, but so or about Shonda or about systemic racism. Maybe there's like limited other opportunities. I don't know what's happening, but they're there and I'm proud of for it. And I'm grateful.
0: The um the black guy who... Was homophobic. Did he ever oh, work yeah, again? Yeah,
3: he, he got kicked off a long time ago. We forgot it. Isaiah Watt. <laughs> Did he
0: ever work again? We, don't, like, I we don't... don't
3: talk about him. No, but you know what I said? Well, actually, I don't think he had like a robust career after that, but I saw something recently where he was like, you know what? Y'all, when I'm retired from acting, like this was in the past like six months, like he put out an announcement about this. And it's like, weren't you retired a long time ago when you stopped getting jobs? Um, <laughs> but so, so my back to my original point. So Grey's Anatomy, one, I'm worried. Two, I remember, so what's like 20 years ago now, um, that when, again, I don't like any sex scenes. They're all kind of like, I'm like, ew, like, like that's weird. Why do I want to see this? But I remember when Grey's Anatomy first started, was pr- the first show that I remember, at least, where I would see like um, sex scenes or like, not real sex scenes because it's network TV, but scenes between like same-sex couples, so like two men or two women, and I remember the first time I saw it, I almost got teary-eyed. I was like, "This is so beautiful that, like, you know, we're able to show this, you know, like, and that people are showing this." But also, I was like, "But you don't like co-sexing, so you don't dislike this because it's two men or two women. You are weirded out by it because it is what it is." It's so too then I was like, "You have you. to like, yeah, just too intimate." I'm seeing people that intimate with each other. I'm like, "That's like private." But so then, anytime I would see it, I would try to be like, "Don't look like you're," even though like no one's looking at me while I'm watching. But I'm like, "Don't look like you're weirded out because it seems homophobic to be weirded out by this." but with his t- uh you know a male female couple I'm like ew this is gross <laughs> um but it got to a point where like yeah the first time I noticed that I thought it was so beautiful that like they were showing that and then it got to be like okay like don't act weird out then it was like you're just because you're weirded out by all like intimacy scenes. But then it was like, no, like they're all the time now in a lot of different TV shows because it's network TV, our kids will come in when they're on. There's like no weirdness around it. And that's how it should be. Like, it's like, like back when we were like, when I started watching Brazen it was in my twenties when I first started seeing these things on TV. And, like, for our kids, it's been their whole life. And so, yeah. like, now, like, showing, like, intimacy between old people or talking about it in Grey's Anatomy's episode where there's, like, stuff going around. Like, like normalize it. Like, make it so it's not weird or it doesn't say, you why does this woman, like, do- why is she doing an art exhibit of, like, intimate right. photos of old people? Like, make it normal. People are having sex. Like, like I might not want to see everybody's intimacy, but there shouldn't be, I think, portraying it is there's something nice about that.
0: I mean, I'll take a peek. All right. Good show. Thanks, oh, buddy. I did to
3: give you a rose. It was that um. you killed it parenting this weekend. I went to Miami with the girls. I'll give myself a rose. I killed it too. We were by the pool with our cocktails, killing it. <laughs> Everyone having fun. Um and then, but you like with Declan, like you um you do a better job than I do of like planning activities, which is like nice you prefer because it like keeps you guys busy. Um, It's good for him. So like I saw he was sending me pictures. There were football games. There was waiting. There was swimming at the friend's pool. There was cookie making. There was, you know, grocery shopping. There was cooking dinner. Like you guys did so many cool. I'm sure I'm forgetting things, but um, oh, yeah. Yeah. that's your rose. Your thorn is I hate your composting in the backyard.
0: that's uh, And the composting that I'm doing in the backyard is because I love you and I want your garden to thrive. So I have started composting a few months ago, and it's for you. You're welcome.
3: Well, I don't know if it's going to help my garden thrive. I'm worried that it's going to attract rodents. That's why I hate it.
0: It doesn't. No, it can't attract rodents like it. Why can't it? Because the stuff like decomposes quickly enough that it won't attract rodents. It's fine. It's just like I'll show it to you. The compost pile. like It has lots of bugs. But it really just turns
3: okay. I'm not, I don't like bugs either it
0: turns into soil really quickly or like some really rich soil it's not something that rodents would be interested in but anyway it is going to be the reason why you have the best garden on the street
3: do you think that rodents will be interested in my garden no okay good that just crossed my mind I was supposed to say maybe we need to cancel that um okay love you I'm happy I'm home I've missed you while I was gone.
0: Love you too. Thank you for joining us. And also, thanks to Adi Khan, Christina Buswell, and Sarah Abbott for making this magic. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.